0: and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit Zwiggroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you.
1: Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast. Putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear, Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time.
0: Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you as I always am. Uh, I have, a, I have a, I am fortunate enough to, from time to time, bring people back on the podcast that have been on it before and you know typically that means I didn't piss them off I didn't make them enemies they uh they still would agree to sit down and have a conversation with me and so today's guest is no exception to that rule and and I what I mean by that is that I've had a chance to not only get to know this individual via podcast interview but we've become friends and we've connected on LinkedIn and and share stuff back and forth but her name is Janky DePalma, and Janky is a business development manager at Kirksey out of, uh, she's based in Austin, Texas, but Kirksey, I think is based in Houston. Is that right, Janky?
2: Is, that is where our um, home office is. And we also have a new Dallas office too. Oh,
0: big time. Everybody's mm-hmm. growing right <laughs> now. So that's, that is, that's awesome. And I, I don't want to shortchange you. Your title is actually Senior Associate and Director of Business Development at Kirksey Architecture. So let's let's put that full title in there so we can give you the love and respect that you deserve. So, <laughs> so it's all good. I, anything to make you smile. So no, but seriously, though, I, I really appreciate you agreeing to come back on this podcast and, and just talk about this conversation that, you know, I think it, I want to say this initially, I was looking back at some emails and I think we initially had this conversation in in May of this year and sometimes things take a while to kind of come to to foment, right? I mean, you you've got a job, I've got a job, we're all working on a million different things and you know, and and, and we don't at the Zweigletter, we don't typically do stuff that's like hyper hyper news sensitive in the sense of time and space and so we try to let things kind of build a, some momentum on their own and then we say, "Hey, you know, we're going to talk about that issue." So we did it during the during 2020 when we talked about George Floyd we've you know we've done it to talk about other issues uh, uh the d e i conversation in the design industry space we've talked about just the increase in in acquisitions and mergers in this space and the consolidation of the design industry and so I thought it was appropriate to to talk about today's subject and and i'll I'll let you tee it off, Janky, because first of all, I'm excited again to have you on the program once more, but this is a very very important conversation. So, uh, so much so that you even teed it off with an article that you wrote back in November in the Zweig letter called, Sorry, Not Sorry. And so without further ado, I want to welcome Janky Palma to the podcast. I know that's a long, long intro. But Janky, you are you are special and you deserve a little extra time as far as that's concerned. No, seriously, though, how, how are you doing? Thank you.
2: <laughs> I'm doing well. It is a rainy day here in Austin, which oh. is very unusual. So fingers crossed that our lights stay on and we... we- managed successfully, but it is always wonderful to talk to you. You and I text quite a bit and we've had a lot of conversations and I'm so excited to be back here.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, listen, I, I, uh, since we last spoke to you, which was almost two years ago on the podcast, it was for those of you that are listening and keeping count, it was the Zweig Letter podcast, episode 183. We talked about listening, empathy, relationships, and self-control. It is a it's an, it's an episode that if you haven't listened to, it's definitely worth going back and listening to, but I think you're going to enjoy today's topic. And so without further ado, Janky, I would love for you just to kind of tee off for our listeners why this conversation came about in the first place.
2: Sure. No problem. So what actually happened was I had, um, so my son is a senior in high school and is beginning the college process. Actually, he's in the middle of the college application process. And during that time, I had joined a Facebook group to help parents understand how to maneuver things. And in big, bold letters in this group, it says, before you post anything, please look at the archives, you know, and it, there was something about it that I remember feeling like the worst thing you could do is post and then have someone reply back going, check this, check that. So I had, you know, posted a question and the way I did it was very, it had like that preemptive apology. You know, sorry if this has been asked before, but, you know, and I had researched the group and I didn't see it. And then someone wrote back and said, you know, I was looking in the group of how many people started off a post with an apology. And there's about 47 of them and 45 of them are from women. And as a group of parents who are helping their children get ready for college this is something you need to be aware of because we need to send young women out into the collegiate space and have them, you know, feel comfortable. And the reply basically was like, stop apologizing. And I, you know, I thought about it, but part of me apologized because I felt like I had to, it was like an armor. It wasn't like I have no self-esteem and therefore I was afraid to ask this question. I have plenty of self-esteem. I just didn't want someone to bark at me that Hey, you know, check the archives, you did this wrong. And so that's where the apology came from. And it made me think about how so much of the self help that we especially geared towards women and other minorities trying to maneuver within the workspace puts a lot of this pressure on us to stop apologizing. It's very lean in, right? Like, you know, stop apologizing, stop using these words in your emails. All of those things have validity. But I think what's missing is that sometimes, in some cases, at least in mine, the use of these things has to do with the fact that you're not feeling safe in your environment. And perhaps this is a sign that a manager can look at and instead of telling someone to stop apologizing, they can use it as a check engine light to say, is there something about the space that's making this person always feel like they have to apologize? And is there a way that we, that they're not feeling psychologically safe? Let's explore that. And so that's kind of where the article came about.
0: Yeah, that. And, you know, I know when you originally brought it up and shared it with Jamie Claire Kaiser and a couple of other folks at Zwai Group, everybody kind of echoed, you know, that same sentiment, right? That feeling that sometimes you know we feel like, oh, we're you know we're just uh, just arbitrarily apologizing for stuff we don't need to be apologizing for. Just and it's interesting that you did the unscientific, and I'm using air quotes here, poll to determine that. Wow, look at how many women were the first ones to do that. And I don't know, you know, I kind of as a man, I'm wondering, do I even do that? I'm trying to be aware of. The fact that, hey, uh, you know, do I even in that instance, have I apologized in the past when on a forum or a group posting where I'm asking something that may have already been discussed, but yet and still I miss it. I think it's just the laziness in me that would afford me the ability to just be like hey you know i'm going to ask anyway even if it has been mentioned cuz i need somebody to point point me directly to it right away i don't want to wait around and i can't search for it so i'm just going to just blurt it out and see what happens and as a i don't i can't say that it's because i'm a man that i don't think about that or consider it i you know so i don't know i i, I just find that to be really interesting but i totally when you guys were originally talking about this and said hey we should have a podcast about it It totally resonated with me because I understand that. And I don't think anybody like, and I'm using, I mean, no one should have to apologize for asking questions, for engaging in a conversation, whether or not something was previously mentioned or not, right? And I think it is important for us to have this conversation early and often in any environment that we're in, whether it's work, whether it's on a personal level, and certainly in the design industry space, one of the things that I think we're focusing on is creating a place where we can esteem and empower women to be and do the best that they can do without hindering them in any way. And certainly this, you bring up a very important issue.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it goes for anybody. It's really not like a gendered thing. I think what we're looking for, especially in the last couple of years, the discussion about like, you know, safe spaces, creating a space where you want to work, a lot of that revolves around psychological safety. Like, do you have the space where you can ask a question that might be silly or dumb? Or can you throw out like, for every innovative idea, there's always like 10 ridiculous concepts, right, that iterated itself to become brilliant. And if you don't have that space to come up with those ideas, that iterative process just won't happen. You'll be censoring yourself and then you lose that ability and so that's where this this idea of perhaps the apology is the sign for the manager to look and go, okay, does everyone feel comfortable here?
0: Yeah yeah and you know and I, I'm just as I, as I looked at your article and I read it when it first came out and then you know looking at it again, you know there, you took pains to really document what this issue is going on and you know there's actually a, a term for this called psychological safety. Which I think, Dr. Amy Edmondson, from she was a Harvard Business, she is a Harvard Business School professor. And this whole idea of psychological safety is, is the belief that one will not be punished or humiliated for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns, or mistakes, right? And this obviously, this concept was taken further when a researcher at Google wanted to deconstruct the makeup of high-performing teams and found that the best predictor was psychological safety. Key word here, psychological safety. Do the teams feel comfortable enough to make mistakes, bring up ideas, or fail in order to discover brilliance? And then, you know, you you go on to say making mistakes is a key part of the growth mindset. And that was coined by one of my favorite writers, Carol Dweck from Stanford University. And then you go on to say that great innovation comes from making mistakes, learning, and making more mistakes. And I got to say amen, amen, and amen to that because I am constantly making mistakes. I'm learning, I'm making more mistakes, I'm asking for forgiveness, and I keep pushing forward. And, you know, that psychological safety, even for me, is important.
2: Definitely. All of that is really true. And one of the things in addition to that is... You know, we all have like trauma responses, right? There's like the fight or flight response, but there's also a freeze and a fawn. And the fawn response is where you're like, you know, like extra sweet and you're trying to make yourself really lovable so that like basically, you know, like a predator isn't going to attack you. And in that same space, that kind of falls into the psychological safety. So if you're feeling the need to always apologize, that could be your like not quite buttering up, but you're trying to create this So someone's not going to bite your head off because you asked a question and that might be your response, but there could be someone else who just shuts down and is no longer going to participate, right? Like I'm not going to give my ideas because when I do, someone's going to, you know, find the one thing that's not quite right and bite my head off. So I'm just not going to say anything or they're going to say something snarky or, you know, so these are all really important to think about.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and then you ask a great question and that question simply is, so how can team leads? And managers, and this certainly lends itself to the design industry space. How can team leads and managers create a sense of psychological safety? Is it lectures, <laughs> you joke, cat posters, surveys? What is it? I, I mean love what, the cat poster, Yeah, I right? do too. I think that's hilarious. So but what is it that individuals can employ within the design industry space, but just in general, right? Because there may be somebody listening to this that's not a design professional, but this just happens to love listening to me speak. And so I'm being funny there. But no, seriously, I mean, what is it that team leads and managers can do to create that sense of psychological safety?
2: You know, that's I think, you know, the thing you're talking about really is I think so much of what a manager is doing is setting the stage, right? Mm hmm. And so there's, and then I think going back to like our earlier discussions about understanding that just because you see the world in one way doesn't mean everyone else is seeing that. So kind of having the empathy to look at and go, okay, I think I'm having, this is a very psychologically safe space. You know, everyone should feel free to come up with their ideas, but then if you notice that Okay, yeah, someone's apologizing, maybe delving into that, but maybe you also notice that someone is really sarcastic and snarky <laughs> and always like shoots down ideas, right? Just because you know that person and you're immune to that doesn't mean like everyone else on your team is, right? So start, you know, just having that insight of looking and going, okay, you know, how are new ideas treated? And I've seen this a lot at where we'll actually create spaces when we're brainstorming and you know how you're not supposed to edit when you're brainstorming. Right. But Then inevitably someone will start editing you, right? Like you come up with an idea, and they're like, "No, we can't, and your job, perhaps as a manager could be like, "Hey, hey, you know, we're in the brain dump stage right yeah. now like it's let's just hold that on it is editing. a
0: brain dump it's don't, just, it's don't just just keep going."
2: <laughs> exactly. Or if you notice that, you know, someone apologizes, you can then say, oh, no, no, your, your idea is great. Let's keep going. Or if someone says, you know, this might be a dumb idea, you can counter, the, you know, we're just brainstorming. Let's hear it. Because that idea can spark something else, right? Because we're, we're supposed to be collaborative. And that, I mean, I know that term psychological safety seems so like new age, but, you know, it was, like you said, it was really brought in by Project Aristotle, which was the, the Google project to try to reverse engineer those high-performing teams. And Ken, kind of you've talked about this with diversity is a key element of high-performing teams, but none of that matters if people don't feel comfortable to express ideas. And as a manager, if you're looking just bottom line output, you got to create the stage. If you're hiring high performers, you want to give them that stage to play. And I'm mixing all the metaphors, Randy, but like if you think about it, like a, a tennis court, You want a really good player plays to the border, right? To the Mm. edge of the space. They're not going to limit themselves to be like safely inside. And you want to create those spaces where you're pushing boundaries, both in like how your team thinks, how they interact, how ideas are generated, you know, especially on the design side, because so much of that is all kind of like bouncing off of each other. And that's, I think, what a really good manager is doing is having that type of empathy. You know, we've talked about this a lot, but it's not just about you inspiring people. It's about kind of creating the space that they can just, you know, be their best selves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And giving them a platform from which to share so that they can be their best selves. Right. I know I was reading. Totally. I was reading recently. One of the, you know, I, I try to do some leadership training and I've done a ton of it for Zoi group. And one of the things I'm always reminding individuals, especially when leading meetings, is to make sure that you've created a safe space for everybody to be heard. And sometimes this is not always convenient for team leads and for leaders because, you know, they have an objective to get through an issue or a challenge that they're trying to address. And, you know, they may feel like, man, if I give everybody the platform to, to share, then we're, we're going to run out of time. But the reality is, is that if you're not cognizant of individuals in the circles that you're in, where you have meetings on a regular basis and certain people are resigned to not saying anything because they're never given the floor to share, you're going to ultimately end up losing those people. Or you're going to miss out on some of the things that they're thinking about in their head that might be absolute genius, but you'll never realize it because you don't give them the platform to share and speak from.
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, you touched on two really important points. One is like this efficiency, right? Like sometimes if you you spend so much time being efficient, you end up doing the work twice yeah. because you're not like you need to pay. There's a, I'm going to misquote. There's a Brene Brown quote in Dare to Lead where she says something to the effect of you either need to managers have to spend a little bit of time now dealing with human emotions or they're going to spend a lot of time Dealing with it, like the aftermath of it. Yeah. So that's exactly the first thing is to realize, like, it's not a waste of time, right? To create those spaces that everyone. And then the other thing is kind of going back to like who gets the platform. Kind of going back to some of Susan Cain's work in her work, uh, Quiet. um, It's a great book. It talks a lot about like it is. It's one that's made me someone who's not that quiet, who's kind of like had to rethink things. Is is to be able to give that space for the introvert and kind of understanding that. Extrovert bias that we have as a culture, right? So, realizing like, okay, you know, bringing the agenda ahead of time, letting people mull stuff over, and then saying, you know, giving this the ability for people to share those ideas once they've processed it. So, these are all things I think managers, you're trying to work best with your team, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny you bring up Susan Kane's book because I've listened to her on several podcasts, but I remember when I first got introduced to her by, by Jamie Claire Kaiser, of all people. And you know, Jamie Claire gave me. You know, she had read the book. She loved it. She gave me a copy of the book. By the way, Jamie, I still have that book. So if you do want it back, let me know. Or if you have somebody that you think I should give give it to because they need to read it, I'm happy to do that as well and pay it forward. But that book for me was a game changer in terms of understanding how to interact with and and deal with people that tend to be more reserved, right? And Jamie Claire is a perfect example of that because she's not boisterous and all in your face. She's just a quiet leader. She does what she does. She does it at the highest, absolute highest level possible. And she's probably going to kill me for talking about her so much on this episode, but that's what sets her apart from everybody else. And when she gave me that book, I had a different understanding and appreciation of her after reading it and understanding how you interact with colleagues and coworkers that aren't maybe like you i'm boisterous i'm in your face i'm always loud and out there now i won't i mean even borderline obnoxious at times fine that's who i am you know sometimes individuals that have certain skill sets and certain certain predilections towards operating a certain way expect that everybody has them and that is a mistake that leaders make that is a mistake that team leads make because you expect that everybody's just going to come to conclusions the same way that you do, and that couldn't be further from the truth. And I think it just reminds me of that. And so when I read that book, I totally started interacting with people differently. I even... I, I interacted with Jamie Claire differently after that. And just to understand that, you know, for me, I don't just, you said it a second ago that some people need to process information before they comment on it. I'm that kind of guy where it's like, you can give it to me right right now and then I'll I'll take it and work with it. I don't necessarily need to noodle over it or, you know, chew on it for a couple of days before I give you a response. I'm just kind of, you know, in your face, I'm going to give you a response right away. Might not be the right response. It's going to be a response. And then though. you'll give
2: another response. And then I, later, yeah. And then eventually I'll,
0: I'll figure out a way to clean it up. There are other people that are like, nah, I'm going to pause and take a look at this and then think about it and get back to you. And that doesn't, so there, neither one is necessarily right or wrong. It's just the sense that we as individuals process information differently and the, the the more that we can respect the differences that we all bring to the table, and especially in the work environment, because that's what we're talking about here, the better off we will be in the long term.
2: Totally. I mean, it's, it's 100%. And I think that's what's kind of interesting as you start reading these different, especially some of the researchers, because a lot of their work kind of like plays off of each other. So you have, you know, Kane's work, Dweck, you have Edmondson's like all these things that are kind of telling us different sides of really paying attention, right? I mean, it's that's all it is. It's just kind of looking at how are we operating, paying attention to the differences. Dweck's work is all about like making the room to make mistakes, and I'm, I'm a big fan of her work. It was it's something that's influenced our family quite a bit too. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, it, it's really good, and I, I'm going to be sure to put some of the links to some of these studies, and obviously a link to your article from back in November of this year, Sorry Not Sorry. At the time that we're recording this, this is uh, late December of, of 2022, but we'll put links in the show notes to uh, both Janky's article, original podcast episode, and then some of the studies, especially links to some of the books that we're talking about, like Susan Cain's book and, and, and everything that Carol Dweck's done. And you can just go online and just look up Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K, Stanford University professor, and just read some of her papers online and it will there it will give you some in, some great insight and information and i think we're you know we're the better for it when we're able to take in all of these varied insights and observations that we find from these thought leaders that help inform how we interact with our fellow coworkers
2: i think it's great i, I do want to say Your reach for the newsletter is so impressive because I had somebody come up to me, you know, that I knew in the industry who had read the article and she already put it into practice because there was a new coworker who was couching everything with like, oh, I hope this is okay. (laughs) You know, kind of whatever, like armored apology. Yeah. And then because she read the article, she later on took her aside and was like, you know, hey, I noticed you do this. Like, are you feeling a little uncomfortable? And she said she was.
0: Oh, I love hearing that and and that makes me feel good because, you know, a lot of times you you create, right? And you wonder if anybody's listening or if anybody's reading, right? In this in the case of a, of an article. And I'm the same way with podcasts. And I'm just always blown away when people are like, "Oh man, I listened to that latest episode. It was a game changer for me." And that more than anything else makes all the difference in the world. And I certainly encourage anyone uh listening to this to if you aren't already subscribed to the Zoe letter because you know you just don't realize what you're missing until you do get subscribed and if i didn't mention it before it's free so you can't beat that and it comes out every monday rain or shine and so you get high quality articles like this one that Janky wrote just a month or two ago and and uh, there's so much more out there for us and and you know the thing that i try to remind people is that no man or woman is an island unto themselves, right? We all need to rely on each other for help as we navigate and go through this. And I think it's important that Janky's experience just with something that really technically had nothing to do with her job, but how she related it to things that she's going through in the workplace. It's important because we all have these stories and situations that we can relate to that we can then bring back to our workplace to help us improve things? Because I think that's what we're constantly doing. I mean, that's the whole mindset of Elevate AEC and Elevate Her. We're trying to take each other collectively to a higher level of understanding, a higher level of accomplishment, a higher level of just doing things that are amazing, right? And so I, I think it's important for us to be reminded of that early and often because too often I think people feel like, oh, they're they're the only ones struggling with this, but we're all dealing with it. And it's just important to have these kind of conversations like the one that Janky and I are having right now.
2: And I have to say, you give such a great platform to have these conversations. I love listening to this podcast because some, I mean, I do like reading, but this is really easy to do when I'm driving around <laughs> right. and you bring these curated perspectives. Yeah. And I'm like super, I'm really like honored and touched that you've included me again, but I think this is the thing that you're doing for this industry is re- I really enjoy this is because, you know, we are collectively connected and you bring in other topics and other speakers helps me like pick up nuggets of information that then I can bring forward back to my firm, ultimately bringing value. Right. So yeah. this, you know, and then maybe if there's a book or, you know, I'm always getting information from you. So is there something I should read? like Randy tells me to read it, I'm reading it. <laughs> yes. Although I now know not to lend you a book.
0: Right. Yeah. Don't lend me a <laughs> I book. May never get it back. Uh, and, and like I said, if <laughs> if somebody wants Susan Cain's book, Quiet, I'm happy to, I've loaned it out a few times, Jamie Claire, just so you know. So it had I have paid it for it, but I've asked for it back. So, but I'm happy to to give it to somebody else to read now, but no, you're at, you're absolutely right. And, and certainly kind of you to mention this platform of podcasting. I think it it is extremely, an extremely important important platform to exchange ideas right i mean and there are a lot of people that honestly don't like reading i know that's like heresy to say but some people would rather you know i listen to a lot of audiobooks i read a lot of books but i probably listen most to podcasts and i listen to an exchange of ideas on a majority of podcasting platforms and to on a with a lot of shows that i highly respect the people that are sharing information and i I think that is part of my town square, if you will, when it comes to gaining insight and information. And I think it's important for us to have a town square like podcasting for the design industry and, you know, to encourage people to check it out for themselves because it will help them grow.
2: Definitely. Actually, one of the things I love about the work you do, you know, pushing podcasts is that this is a very like, it like democratizes spreading of ideas. Yeah. You know, like before, if you look at it, like if I were to explain a podcast to my parents, you know, it's kind of like a radio show, right? Yep. But then before radio shows were really beholden to things like advertisers and sponsors and, you know, who whose voice is heard. Yeah. You can get a podcast for anything. Yeah. So in a way, it's like if you have an idea and you have a platform, you can push that out. And there's people who will, you know, can find you and be a part of that. And I think that sort of levels this playing field of how ideas are spread in a way that like I don't know if there's any other medium, maybe you know that really can do that, maybe like you know influencers and such could do that, but this is something that like you can get little bits of information, take it on your drive, yeah, but it's still curated in a way that like some algorithms aren't quite like when I see stuff my kids watch on youtube i'm really it gets very irritating, and what you're doing is allowing it to be democratized, open, but still curated.
0: Yeah. That's no. hard
2: to find like all of those elements.
0: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I, and again, I, I appreciate that. And, and certainly the check is in the mail. So
2: I, no, I you will. really are doing, I'm yeah. really loving how you're doing this because it's something that I think our industry tends to be slower to adopt. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. it's something you've been really pushing as a way to like have subject matter experts. I
0: know, mean, I think it's- have it's important. Yeah. yeah I mean, and I didn't mean to cut you off. You're, you're absolutely right. It is important. And I think everybody that works in the design industry, first of all, it's the one thing that I say to every design professional, what you do matters way more than you could ever imagine, right? I mean, most design professionals are responsible for the built environment. When my kids ask me about the importance of the people that I work with, I'm like, well, you know what? They build the roads that we drive on. They design and create safe environments for the buildings that we go into on a regular basis. You know, they do land planning, they do urban planning to make sure that our infill is built up properly and that placemaking is done in a in a thoughtful manner. I mean, everything that a design professional does is extremely important. Yet and still, design professionals are some of, have a hard time sometimes, I think, seeing their value for what it really is. And I'm just, I'm just here to remind them. And I say it all the time, whether I'm doing a a training or a class with the Zoya group or anytime I'm interacting with a design professional, I say, listen, you guys are extremely, extremely important to our society, right? I use that big word, the S word, society and not just to their clients, to society because of what design professionals are able to do. And so, you know, and I've heard you talk about some of the stories that you've shared at Curtsy and. You're sharing them on a micro scale, right, based on what Kirksey has been able to do. But just think of all the amazing work that Kirksey has done and then just amplify that by all of the design firms that are out there like Kirksey in the United States, but also in the world. And I think sometimes we forget that. And I'm always going to use this platform of podcasting as a way to remind people of that and the importance to keep doing what you're doing to keep going out there, uh, designing amazing things, to interacting with clients at the highest level possible, and honestly, doing what you promise, right? There's not every industry you can't look to that, right? I mean, we deal with certain, we see certain verticals in certain industries where, you know, people don't always deliver what they promise. And the design industry, it is a fait accompli. I can guarantee you that your business will not last long if you don't deliver what you promise, and that's the big difference that I've seen in this space over some, some of the other industries.
2: Oh, definitely. I and, I, mean, and I'm and off I think, my soapbox. <laughs> so No, yeah. you stay on the soapbox. Yeah. I think it is it is something to think about in terms of like, you know, there really is sort of a public effect to whatever designers do. And that sort of encompasses engineers and contractors. You know, it's all sort of like you're doing something that in some way affects the public space and how people interact. And that's a really interesting component and it doesn't have to be the person who's actually like, you know, scribbling that in a cocktail napkin. It's all of us who are even like part of that universe are all kind of part of these things. So it's really interesting to think about and how, you know, how this affects people in a larger scale.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to land this plane because I think it's, this is a great (laughs) topic and one that I think deserves extra time and extra research. And. It's one of those things where depending on where you feel like you fall in the spectrum of the apologizer or the person that never apologizes, I think it's good for you to un- kind of understand where you where you fall in this spectrum and, and how you need to be reacting as we move forward. And so there were a couple of things that you said as you ended this article. You said, I am now on the lookout for these softening statements, Right. For both others and myself, I love having a space that allows for those crazy ideas, which often enough are the ones that take us to another level. I delete any preemptive apologies in my correspondences. I am coaching myself to listen to these apologies and others and chiming in immediately to confirm that these are appropriate comments. Psychological safety doesn't just happen it needs to be intentional with everyone around. I mean that that paragraph it's very short but as you end this article which is a well-written article, I mean it speaks volumes for what's next and how we do this, right? It's not just we're not going to just talk about it and not offer up some suggestions, but one of the things that you mentioned in there is one of my favorite words which is intentionality. How we do that, right? And so you are being very really intentional now even since that article or that uh, form that you were a part of back in the spring, when you were asking some questions, you've now, I would imagine your level, your antenna is raised much higher now when it comes to this. How are you reconciling that? And what advice would you give others that say, yeah, you know what? I was where Janky was, but I need to get to where she is now, right?
2: Well, I think, thank you so much for asking me that question, I think a couple things like one, you know when you do apologize, I wouldn't necessarily beat myself up over it, but I think it helps to understand why am I doing this right? Is this like the armor where I come in saying, sorry for the stupid question. sorry that this is late because I you know, you know replied like three weeks later, is that needed? You know, just it can be. It's a really important discussion that like not everyone in every situation is afforded the luxury, of bringing them their full self. Sometimes you have to armor yourself with an apology. Sure. Sometimes you are in a space where you need to do that. And I think unilaterally saying, I'm never gonna be apologizing unless I've done something wrong, doesn't serve all communities. So that's one thing. But for me, it is helpful to understand, is this something I'm choosing versus a default? Am I choosing an apology because I did something wrong? Am I choosing an apology as an armor? And I'm making an active choice or is this like a default response that I might, you know, I may not need because a person is may interpret that apology as some type of like incompetence Mm -hmm. right? or, you know, lack of self-esteem or something like that. So I need to kind of be aware of these choices I'm making. On the flip side of paying attention to the apology. Oh, I am full throttle doing that. There is no any time someone is starting off with this might seem like a dumb idea. This might, that means, you know what, something is not, they are not feeling comfortable here.
0: Yeah. Yep.
2: And it's not an indictment on me, but it's something to notice. And I need to either like, I try to say, oh no, just say it. It's great. I'm sure it'll, you know, and I might afterwards go, oh, that wasn't as stupid. I'm really glad you said something. I try to address it immediately. And then, if possible, even afterwards, because it is, I'd say in most cases, it's not in the person's head. And that's where I did some research on the apology. And so much of it sort of forces women to s- just, just unilaterally stop apologizing. You know, we don't have the luxury of always being brave in all spaces. And I think that's really important to acknowledge too. But in the space I do have, like right now I have a lot of autonomy and I have a lot of latitude as a leader, you know, for my firm and in other spaces. I'm definitely paying attention and I'm definitely looking at like, oh, have I accidentally created spaces where maybe someone doesn't feel comfortable? How do I smooth that over? And that's. You know, the apology is just one of many signals. There's several others. But for me, this was one that I was like, oh, I think it's been misinterpreted. You know, I'm not sorry at all. This is <laughs> it's not that I'm, you know, uncomfortable. It's more I'm um, comfortable. It's not like I have low self-esteem. So these are the things I pay attention to. And, and that's where intentionality comes in. You know, this is all of what you do with your work on a personal and professional level. is just getting a sense of understanding that someone is seeing things with a different lens, Yeah. you know, like you, and like I'm wearing glasses right now. I, I see the world differently when I take my glasses off, but you wearing my glasses won't help because yeah. you don't have the same eyesight. I do, right. right. You're just going to be like, wow, this is really blurry. So yeah. you just have to realize that like, I need these, these lenses. I'm going to see things differently and there's nothing inherently wrong about it. But how do I create a space where people can, you know, just, in whatever way possible bring them their best selves to work
0: yeah no well put i mean that, that's that's a good i love the the eyeglasses analogy because that is it's very very true and you know each one is made uniquely for us which is also the same reason why we each have uh unique fingerprints right you know no two fingerprints are the same so in that same way we each bring something unique to the table within our work in the design industry and i think it's important for us to not be afraid to esteem that higher than a lot of times we probably do. Yeah. So, well, no, this is, this is good. So I really want to encourage everybody to check out this article. Sorry, not sorry. There was a song called that, right? Or is it, is it? Yeah, it's a
2: Demi Lovato
0: song. Yeah, that's right. It's a Demi Lovato (laughs) song. Right. So, Maybe I'll put a link to that song in the show notes as well, yeah, right? If I don't so, get in
2: trouble. No,
0: no, it it's okay. That. We're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna play the music here, so we'll, we should be fine as far as that's concerned. But no, seriously, I think it's important for people to read this article and to have this conversation. And this might be the type of podcast episode that you share with a group of your colleagues, right? And maybe have a real talk. Maybe make it. Um, you know, after hours, and just have a, you know include a libation or two in there, and just have a conversation about it, and you know let people you know libations tend to loosen people up some, and you know you might you might learn a few things about your colleagues that that it will be important and instrumental as you continue to try to build that team, that team atmosphere where everybody feels like they're part of it, and there's not one individual that's sitting on the sidelines you know, waiting for the coach to say, hey, put me in. They're, you know, they're they're putting themselves in by virtue of the fact that they are, they recognize that their voice is as important as everybody else and that they are willing to participate in the dialogue that's happening. So, all right. Did I miss anything, Janky?
2: No, I think it's great. Thank (laughs) you so much for including me on this and just, you know, having people take a look at this. I'm really flattered that anyone's reading anything I write, but it's, these are all these musings that I have that I clear with my son on the commute into school. But it would be interesting just to take a look at it. I don't think there's any unilateral, like one way or the other, but you're always looking for ways to connect with people. And even if you end up reading this and chatting and all of you guys decide that like, you've never apologized and it's never a problem. That's something also to to take a look at. I think it is something to think of, like, are you You know, are you creating a space where everyone feels like seen, heard and valued? Right.
0: Right. Yeah, no. And you're absolutely right about that. And I know even, you know, sometimes apologies can be a mechanism for just creating safety in in your space. And and so, but it may be unnecessary. So just things to think about. And um, so I really would encourage everybody after you've listened to this episode, please read that article. Please check out the show notes because there'll be additional information that I think would be helpful for you as you have this conversation in your workspace. Janky, what would be the best way for people to connect with you if they'd like to reach out to you after listening to this episode and or reading the article? Oh,
2: thanks. I'm always on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest and quickest way to find me. So you can find me there. There's a few other things I've written and, you know, things I like reading. We can kind of talk more about it. You can tell me if you don't agree with this article. I'm happy to hear your opinions as well.
0: Well, Janky Palma, thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. We really appreciate you sharing. And as we said, we're going to put all this information in the show notes so everybody can access the article that you wrote, Sorry, Not Sorry, and then just kind of marinate on our conversation today. So thanks again. And and, uh, we really appreciate you.
2: Thank you. Absolutely. It's great being here.
0: Absolutely. Well, folks, that's another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. To learn more about one of the oldest newsletters in the design industry, visit ZweigGroup.com. You can read articles online, listen to this podcast, and sign up for a free subscription to the newsletter and have it delivered right into your email inbox every Monday morning. Sign up today. For more info about Zweig Group's advisory services or any Zweig Group publications, please visit Zwiggroup.com. You can subscribe to the Zwig Letter Podcast wherever you listen to it, and please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll
1: see you back here soon. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Zwig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to The Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration. In addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.